guys, what is good? This is Morgan Mueller coming at you with the Joy and Hope podcast, where we seek to bring light to the dark. We actually have each of these episodes begin as a YouTube video. So if you would like to watch the original content on YouTube, search my name, Morgan, M-O-R-G-A-N, Mueller, M-U-E-L-L-E-R, on YouTube, look for the Joy and Hope logo. But otherwise, thanks for being here. Enjoy the podcast. Hi, guys. Morgan here. Welcoming you to another episode of Joy in Hope. We have a really fun day planned for today. I wish y'all could see my setup right now because it's going to get crazy. Like, my Bible's here and my notes are down here. My phone's right here because I have some notes on there. My water's here. I have a prayer, a book, a picture, like, on my laptop, perched, ready for me to use. It's going to be a great day. Glad you're here. Let's pray. Let's pray first. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Totus tuus, Maria, ego sum, I am totally yours, Mary. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. First off, if you are watching anytime near where the actual day is that I'm posting this, uh, Sunday, February 16th, Happy belated Valentine's Day, or should I say Saint Valentine's Day. I was actually not only single this Valentine's Day, but also sick. But I was kind of reflecting on it, and I was like, it is actually so fitting that I am both of those things on this day, because one, um, according to the research I've done, so Valentine's Day, it does come from a lot of different things. I encourage you to research it yourself, because I'm honestly not really sure enough to go into any of the backstory, but there is a Saint, there is a Saint Valentine. There's possibly three Saint Valentines. And I'm pretty sure according to the research that I did on Friday, all of them were martyrs. So it means they got killed for the faith. So I'm over here like, I'm sick today, Jesus. And even though I'm not being beheaded, like one Saint Valentine, my throat does hurt. And in a way that is, that is a way that I can die for you today. Um, by suffering, <laughs> and I was also, and I'm also single. And according to the research that I did, pretty sure all the Saint Valentines were priests, meaning they never got married and lived happy lives, content in the Lord. And I was like, okay, sick and single on Saint Valentine's Day, <laughs> pretty fitting. Uh, so if that's where you were, just know that that's actually more appropriate than being healthy and happy in a relationship. (laughs) Though if that was you, kudos to you, because that sounds like an awesome place to be as well. Anyway, um, (laughs) for those of you kind of like me who also may be like a little low-key, I don't like saying bitter, I don't like saying jealous, because those are things I try not to be, but let's be honest, sometimes I am them. It'd be nice. Sometimes it feels like it'd be nice to be in a relationship, or it'd be nice to be in a different job, or it would be nice to live in a different place or have a slightly different lifestyle, etc. And that's what we're going to talk about today, because it's something that I really feel like the Lord's speaking into my heart and that I think he's always calling us to, to trust in him. So that's what we're going to talk about today. So first and foremost, trusting in God. What does it mean to trust? What is trust? 
So I'm going to propose that when we're talking about trust, we're all on the same page. And that is going to come straight from a page in the Bible because God's word. Okay, so in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 6 say this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not rely on your own insights. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. So note, the word all is used twice in those phrases. Not just once, but twice. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And that's twofold. So the first verse, it's saying, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't rely on what you know or what you think you know. Because in the end, God knows best. So you're trusting him with all your heart. Not just some things. Not just, okay, God, I trust you with my job situation, but I don't trust you with my vocation or the timing of a relationship. So... I'm going to try to force that to happen. So like, I trust you with my job, like figure out my job situation for me. But over here in the relationship category, I'm just feeling it now. Like, I don't want to be single on Valentine's Day. So I'm going to download this dating app or I'm going to go above and beyond and out of my way to force something to happen just because I don't want to wait. Do you see the difference there in those two situations? But that's not what it says. It doesn't say, trust me with your job, but not your relationships, or vice versa, trust me with your relationships, but not with your job. Trust him with every single thing. That's the first part. So this complete surrendering of everything. Lord, I give you my family and what's going on in my family. I give you my job situation or my school situation. Maybe you're in college and you're having to decide what to what to study. That is a huge thing to trust to God. And I want to talk more about that. I don't know if I'll do that in that in this video or another video, but trust me, I've been there. I know that's a huge thing to surrender to God. Trust in your studies. Um, trust in your relationships. Trust in your vocation. Trust him with everything. It's hard, but that's literally what he's asking us to do. Second part, in all your ways, Acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. So what that means is in everything that you're doing, take a step back and be like, where is God at work in my life? Personally, for me, this is why I have a spiritual director, because sometimes I can kid myself. I think we can all kid ourselves sometimes where it's like, oh, I think I think God is doing this and he might be. But better safe than sorry. And a spiritual director is a person who can consistently, like for me, I meet a spiritual director once a month for an hour. Um, and it's a priest. And he's able to help me discern, like, yeah, I think the Lord is leading you in this way. Or mm, we're going to feel like you're just kind of being impatient and not waiting in this situation. And you need to wait. Like, don't act on this thing, if that makes sense. So it's saying in all your ways, acknowledge him. Not just in your job, not just in your relationships, whatever. In everything across the board in your life, acknowledge where is God present here. And then know that once you do that, he then has the freedom to direct your steps because you're surrendering. 
And that's a huge part of trusting in God is to surrender. What does it mean to surrender? I heard this amazing way to put it recently on a podcast. And the person was was saying that surrendering literally can only come after a very intense battle of some sort, this wrestling of some sort. And so to surrender to God, it's just not this half-hearted like, okay, Lord, yeah, I applied for this job. If I'm supposed to get it, great, but I'm not really going to think much about it because I don't want to get my hopes up or eh, I don't really know if I care about that or not. If I'm God, do I really want to bless that? You are clearly not invested in it or trying at all, right? Like to surrender means, Lord, I really, like to be honest with him, like, Lord, I really want this and I don't know why. I really want this job. Maybe it requires moving and maybe that's just something that you'd really like to do and you're not sure why, but maybe you're like, Lord, I really want to do this. Bless it. Like if this is your will, now I can surrender because I've been honest and I'm all in and I'm like, Lord, I surrender this to you. I want this so much, not totally sure why, but I want this and I offer it to you. I surrender. I trust it to you. Or Lord, I want this relationship. I want this relationship so badly. Maybe you think you're in love with this person. I don't know. I'm just going to say like, I really like this person. I don't know why I see us being together and why I see it being so good, but I want this. I surrender it to you. May your will be done in this situation. Do you see the difference? Whenever we live our lives in this half-hearted, like, eh, maybe if it works out or eh, maybe this or that, that's not living at all. That's being lukewarm about something. You know, like when your drink, like mine right now has been sitting out for a while, it's not hot, it's not cold, it's lukewarm. It's room temperature. Jesus literally in scripture says, if you are lukewarm, I will spit you out of my mouth. I'd rather you be hot or cold. I'd rather you be all against me or all in for me because this wishy-washy thing does nothing to glorify me at all. And you guys, I feel like I've lived my life so wishy-washy because what we try to do is we don't want to get hurt. We don't want to get hurt because what happens in life, whenever you really hope for something is one of two things. Either you get what you've hoped for and there's this amazing satisfaction and there's this thank you God that I got whatever it is this satisfaction, or there's this disappointment. God, why did you not let this relationship work out? God, why did you not let me get that job? God, why did you not let me get into this college or this program? Why? It makes no sense to me. And then we feel like this hurt, this deep hurt, maybe this sense of betrayal. And in those moments, it is so tempting to doubt God and to doubt his goodness and to be like, if you let this happen to me, do you really love me? And can I really trust in you? And those are the moments 
where if we continue to surrender to God, even when it hurts and even when it is beyond painful, those are the moments where we can most grow in trust of God if we, if we continue to surrender those times. I want to share an example from my own life to illustrate this because I'm the kind of person who learns by relating to other people's stories. Maybe you can relate to my stories, maybe not, but regardless, I know that there are times in your life where you've struggled to trust in God, so reflect on those as I'm talking about my own story too. So I would say the first time in my life where I really had to surrender and trust in God was in fifth grade. So when I was in fifth grade, up until that point, my faith was not something that was very deeply personal. My relationship with God was mostly just me asking for things. You know how you have those friends who only come to you when they ask for something? Nobody likes those friends because they're not real friends. And so unfortunately, that's how I was with God growing up because I never knew that it was deeper than that. So mostly up until fifth grade, what did my prayers consist of? Jesus, I have a bellyache. Like, it hurts so bad, God. If you just let it go away, I'll, like, be a nun or something. I literally prayed that, like, multiple times. I remember. I never wanted to be a nun. I just wanted my pain to go away. So, terrible, but being honest, that's that's pretty much what my prayer life consisted of until fifth grade. So, when I was in fifth grade, my godmother who I've always been really close to, she was going to have twin girls. It was the first time, so she had gotten married pretty recently, so it was the first time she was expecting kids, and it was the first time that anyone in our family had ever been expecting twins. So we were all so excited, right? It was so fun for little fifth grade me to imagine having baby cousins who were twin girls. Like, that just... That just sounded awesome. And there was there was so much more that went into it, why I was excited in particular, but I was excited. Okay. Well, shortly after, my aunt was diagnosed with what's called twin-to-twin transfusion syndrome, which basically means that, so when a woman's pregnant and she has a baby inside of her, that baby has a placenta, and that's how the baby gets all of, all of its nutrients and stuff. So if you're having more than one baby, so like if you're having twins, you're supposed to have two placentas. So each baby gets equal amounts of nutrients. In twin to twin transfusion syndrome, the babies share a placenta. And the outcome is usually not great. It often results in one or both babies being lost because they're not getting the proper nutrients. So this obviously devastated my aunt, devastated our family, but we turned to God. And so we were all praying. And I remember every night before I'd go to bed, I would pray and I would pray and I'd be like, Lord, like, please let the babies live. Please let them be okay. Maybe learning and starting to trust in God, but really just wanting my will, wanting my way, wanting both of my cousins to live and be fine. But I started praying for them. And I remember... 
she was almost due. Things things had been looking great for months. Like, the baby seemed to be doing okay. We all were breathing this sigh of relief. Like, it's going to be fine. They went in very close to her, like, time she was going to have them for just a regular checkup. Babies were fine. Babies were good. It was, like, toward the end of the week. My aunt went back, I think, on a Monday for the next appointment just, like, to make sure everything was fine. And one of my cousins had died, and the other one was fading pretty fast. So they did an emergency C-section. They saved my cousin Ellie, but... My cousin Mary Catherine died. And I remember that experience all but destroyed me. I had never experienced loss to that extent. And in my fifth grade mind, I just could not understand how a good God could let my baby cousin die. And I remember telling someone about that. I don't remember if it was my mom or someone else in my family, but I mean, weeks later, I was still just so engulfed in this grief and this despair and this doubt. And I remember saying, I don't know if I can believe in God anymore. And whoever it was in their wisdom (laughs) said something to me along the lines of Morgan, This experience is either going to destroy your faith completely if you let it, or it's going to make it take off. And I'm going to be honest with you guys. I I actually tried. I tried for a while to imagine life without God in it, to live life without God in it. And I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it because... Beyond my comprehension, I just knew in the depths of my soul somehow that God was real. I knew he was real, and I did not understand why he had let this happen. But years later, looking back on that experience, I see now that that was the first time in my life where I was confronted with a situation that was so far beyond me that I had to trust in God that I had to surrender it to God. Because let's be honest, it's in the most difficult and desperate times of our lives when we're called to have the greatest trust. That experience started my life of trust in God, which has continued to this day. I want to provide another example, and this is a little bit different, but I'm a very visual person and I really like analogies. So even though I just shared an actual experience from my life with you, I want to share this visual analogy because sometimes when people are like, but what does it mean to really trust in God? Like, okay, I pray the words, Jesus, I trusted you, but like, how do I actually live that out? Like, what does that look like? How do I surrender? I wondered that too. I wondered that from fifth grade on. And a few years ago, I think is when this story really started to mature and develop in my life. So a few summers ago, I I was helping with um, this missionary program, Totus Tuus. Maybe you've heard of it. 
I pray at the beginning of these channels now a lot. The words totus tuus Maria ego sum, which means I am totally yours, Mary. So this summer missionary program, totus tuus, it it is this program born out of this understanding that totus tuus, totally yours, giving ourselves totally specifically to the Blessed Mother, Mary, brings us closer to Jesus than we can come on our own because she was the closest person to him ever. And so if we pray asking her to bring us closer to Jesus, she's able to do that in a way that we can't do that on our own. So I was a part of this program and part of our training me and my fellow missionaries was some team bonding, which is really necessary if you are going to live and work with a certain amount of people for like an entire summer. So part of our team bonding was this this exercise called the trust fall. And I know where you guys are probably going with this, but I'm not talking just like, okay, I'm standing on the same level as you. I go like this. I fall backward. You catch me one person. No, I'm talking so much more intense than that, so much more terrifying than that. And this experience was called the trust fall. So we were on what was called this low ropes course. And there was this like podium that had several stairs that you had to climb up to get onto this landing that had a drop off. And all the other people on your team had to like cross their arms in a certain way. And I don't remember what it looked like now, but they had... They had to do this like zigzag pattern with their arms standing across from each other in this line. And so what happened was you up on the podium, crossed your arms over your chest, turned around and just fell off, fell off. I don't even know how many feet, but like fell backward into their arms terrifying, right? I was terrified. But whenever, but whenever our leader asked us, okay, who's going first? Part of me kind of just wanted to get it out of the way. But also part of me just felt really called like, I need to do it. I need to step up there and I need to do it. This is me surrendering. This is how I learned to trust. And I got up there and I was shaking you guys. I was shaking so bad. I was so scared. I don't like heights. And it was it was it was fairly high off the ground. I'd say at least five or six feet off the ground, this podium. And the guy told us, you have to fall a certain way. You have to cross your arms, you have to put your feet together, you have like you have to fall this certain way, you have to be as rigid as a board. I mean, TMI maybe, but like literally it was like so many exact things you had to do, including like clench your butt, like all this stuff, like you had to fall this certain way and you had to maintain that rigid, like board like quality the whole way down. Because if you didn't, you weren't going to fall properly and the people weren't going to be able to catch you properly. For example, you were supposed to fall like this, like if this is you, like straight down. But I'm going to do this because it'll be easier. So you're supposed to fall like straight down. However, if you like got scared when you were falling and kind of like bent in on yourself, 
you were going to mess up how you fell because you wouldn't be equally dispersing your weight across everyone catching you. It would be this awkward, like the people back here were going to have more of you to catch than the other people. And it was, it just wasn't going to end well if you did that. Long story short. So I get up there. I'm terrified. <sighs> and I remember crossing my arms over my chest, looking up into heaven, into the sky. It was such a beautiful day, bright blue sky. And I remember just this surging prayer of my heart being like, Lord, I trust in you. I trust in you. I don't know what this summer is supposed to look like. I don't know what my life is supposed to look like. I don't even know exactly what this fall is supposed to look like, even if the guy told me exactly what it was supposed to look like. Like I still am afraid, but I trust you. And this sense of relief flooded me. And when the guy yelled fall, I was able to just totally surrender, fall with the utmost grace as you're supposed to, totally rigid, solid, like a board. And I cannot even describe the satisfaction I experienced when my friends caught me. Like it was literally a surreal experience. Like when they caught me and, and I could just feel like how supported I was and how provided for I was. I mean, seriously, it was just so awesome and satisfying. And it was just like, this is what it's all about. So in our lives, that's how we're called to surrender. That's how we're called to trust. Not with any reservations, because if we do, like I was talking about earlier, if I say to God, if I get up on that platform and I'm like, okay, God, okay, you can have my legs, but you can't have my arms. Then what's going to happen when I fall is even though my legs are caught, my arms are going to be like flailing in all these different directions. And I'm going to smack people in the face and not get caught right. And in the same way, let's say I surrender my job situation to the Lord and that lands perfectly and I end up exactly where I'm supposed to, but I'm forcing relationships. I'm going to hurt other guys. I'm going to hurt myself in the process and I'm not going to end up with the right person because I am trying to do my own will in that regard. I'm not surrendering completely. You see what I'm saying? So today, I really invite you to reflect on what am I willing to surrender to God and what am I not? Like, what am I trying to force? Because for some people, that looks different than it does for other people. Quick example again. I really feel like the Lord is calling me to marriage. And I want to share more about that, but in a different video. I really feel like the Lord is calling me to that. But a few months ago, whenever I was like, yeah, I want to date. I want to like put myself out there, whatever. I thought it would be a good idea to join a dating website. And so I did. And I'm not going to say which one, just because I know that every dating website has success stories even Christian and Catholic ones specifically. 
like I know that they can be good. Just the site that I got on though, even though, yeah, it's not a bad site. It just never left me with peace. It was just so awkward of an experience for me. And I hated it. I hated like feeling judged based on my appearance. Like seriously, this guy isn't liking my profile. Like what's wrong with me? Like, am I not pretty enough? Or like, when I would be liked by other people, when they would like my profile, I felt so judgmental if I'd read their profile and think they sounded like an amazing person, but just wasn't attracted to them based on their picture. Like, I just felt so superficial and I hated it. And that process drug on for months because I kept insisting to myself, like, no, you're not like finding a date anywhere else. Like, this is a good thing it's not bad to be on a dating website. And like, this is the point of your life that you feel like you're in. Ugh, but guys, like, no, at the end of the day, I was like, for me personally, just for me personally, I was like, this feels so forced and superficial and is leaving me with no peace, just all anxiety and anxiety is not from God. Therefore I should not be on these websites. So last month, finally, I got rid of it once and for all. And I have not looked back or regretted it since <laughs> because it just seriously was not, not meant for me. So reflect on where in your life are you struggling to surrender? Where are you struggling to wholeheartedly trust God and let go? <coughs> I said I was sick. I'm still kind of sick and my throat's kind of scratchy. Please hold. But the last thing I wanted to mention, so I mentioned the trust fall experience. So it goes without saying then that trusting in God always involves some level of risk. We can't live our lives without stepping up onto the platform, stepping out of the boat when Peter's called by Jesus to walk on the water, to step up to the plate, whatever analogy in your mind works for you. Like it requires taking steps. There's actually this really great quote by Pope Emeritus Benedict the 16th about steps, taking steps. He said definitive decisions. So steps are indispensable. So necessary. You have to have them. Definitive decisions are dispensable for growth and in order to achieve something great in life. In particular, to cause love to mature in all its beauty. I'm going to say that again, that end part. In order to achieve something great in life, in particular, to cause love to mature in all its beauty. I heard this recently that God doesn't call us to perfection of our body or to be perfect at volleyball or baseball or theater or whatever. He doesn't call us to be perfect in our job, in our occupations, in our hobbies or in our body. 
We all know how we get sold the lie by our culture that we have to look a certain way to be happy. Not true. God doesn't call us to perfection in any of those ways. He calls us to be made perfect in love. Think about Mother Teresa or St. John Paul II or even Pope Benedict XVI. They were all, like, they all got really old, as we all do. Like, when they were the holiest, they were the oldest and the least physically attractive. Like, God didn't call them to look perfect forever, to get plastic surgery. Like, whatever it was to, like, look a certain way, to maintain a certain persona. He called them, as he calls all of us, to be made perfect in love. So whatever steps you're taking, whether you're in school, whether you're discerning a relationship, whether you're discerning a vocation, keep in mind that none of those things define you. That those things are legitimate ways that you will be called by God to glorify him and to bring his kingdom to earth, to make him known and make his love known. But that he's not asking you to be the perfect YouTuber the perfect motivational speaker, the perfect teacher, whatever. He's calling you to perfectly love, to love him, to love others, and to love yourself wherever you find yourself today. Not tomorrow, today. And on that note, this mature or perfect love, it casts out all fear. Peter was afraid to step out of the boat. How often are we afraid to step up to the plate because we're scared that we're going to strike out? I was terrified stepping up to that platform because I was like, Lord, I don't know how this is going to end. I hope my friends catch me, but... I don't know. I don't even know if I'm going to be able to fall as I'm supposed to, to trust you as I'm supposed to. But the desire to trust him and the desire to do the good far outweighs the fear, the natural fear that rises up within us in those situations. So wherever you are, whatever you're going through, I invite you to recommit your life to Christ today. To maybe for the first time, surrender completely to him. No reservations. Maybe the sin that you've been holding on to, that you're just so ashamed of and feel like no one would understand if you tried to bring that up with someone, a trusted friend. Maybe it's a, a past hurt, an experience you've had that you just can't let go of. Maybe it is just something in your future that you just want to happen so bad, but you're like, I just can't stop thinking about it and I just don't know when it's going to happen. Whatever it is, to just completely surrender that to God today, to fall back in his arms and to trust in him. There's this image called the divine mercy image that Jesus revealed to Saint Maria Faustina. And in this image, he asked her to have it painted 
it says, Jesus, I trust in you. And in this image, we see Christ's heart being pierced, just like it was when he was on the cross, when the lance that pierced him is said to have blood and water flowed from his side. In this picture, you see blood and water flowing from his heart. And the water represents the graces bestowed on us in baptism, the Holy Spirit that is poured into us, the spirit of courage, not of fear. And the red that reminds us that he died so that we may live. You guys, Jesus died for us. And then he defeated death. We have nothing, nothing to be afraid of. So what do you need to do? Where do you need to step out in faith and be like, Lord, I don't know where I'm going to land or how I'm going to land, but I trust that to you. Jesus, we trust in you. All for your greater glory, O God. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless, guys, and until next time. Thanks so much for joining us today on the Joy and Hope podcast, where we seek to bring light to the dark. If you enjoy our mission, we would love for you to become a patron on Patreon. Our patrons are what make it possible for us to continue doing Joy and Hope full-time, bringing you the inspiring creative content that uplifts you to live more joyful, hopeful lives. So please consider supporting us. Thanks so much for being here today. God bless and see you next time.